the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 17 Recap. Recapping the card, answering listener questions, and tying up the year. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, it will definitely be before the next fights, which won't be until January 16th. Of course, this is being recorded on the week of Christmas. Monday morning, I'm cheating. That's why your, your, your feeds aren't mistaking you. Oh, Dan Tom's late to the party. I, um... Yeah, I ran out of energy on Sunday when I was promised to get this to you on Sunday night. It is now Monday morning. Um, yeah, even without a fight to like hustle for, my Sundays are usually so jam busy. I was like, oh, I can maybe get to the things that I'm usually having to always put on the shelf because I have to get back and get to fight prep. <clears throat> like, you know, taking my dog to play and all these other things. So I did good. It was good things, positive, productive things. But yeah, by the time I got home. I did not have the energy as I sip some coffee here to improve my energy now. Meow. Meow, 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 meow. Remember that? Before the viral ad campaign, uh, before the viral stuff went viral, there was, there was meow mix. Um, no, Dan. Uh, we don't. Okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be a weird format already, as you can tell. Going to start off with just some shouts, some year-end thoughts. Uh, again, um, not going to be uh, doing any, like... Uh, you know, big year in show or awards here, but I'll, I'll, I'll give some thoughts as we move in. Still going to be hitting you with the top five later this week with my man, Aaron Bronstetter there. Uh, one of my favorite um, people, uh, uh, just in general, uh, of course, from the TSN MMA show up there in Canada. Great coverage. And, uh, and a mensch, as they say, right? Um but yeah, uh, we'll start off with some shouts there, uh, some notes. We'll do uh, the Amazon read-throughs, actually, for those of you uh, who uh, choose to support the show that way, which I'm very appreciative of. Um, I'm kind of, you know, gypped of the reads. I'm all excited for this new uh, segment, and then I, I go ahead and skip it, right, for the breakdown show of UFC Vegas 17, which I will be uh, recapping right after that. And after that, I'm just going to hit some quick questions from both Twitter and YouTube. That's right. Thank y'all. I, I, am, I am active on the YouTube. You don't. It's not just a way of you to listen. You can actually contribute to the show from there. Someone asked a question. I'm going to answer it um, in that portion. By the way, if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, give it a like, will you? And subscribe if you haven't already. That is Daniel Tom MMA over on YouTube. Improvements to the channel coming soon. Um, and we'll get the heck out of here. How does that sound? Sound good? All right. Break. Clap. I almost want to clap like we would do at the end of uh, huddles uh, for practice. It's a good thing to, to do, too, even though it's a very football thing. Really work well for jiu-jitsu classes, grappling classes. You go over the technique. Everybody tracking? Tracking? All right. Let's go. 
and you get to work bringing me back um uh but uh yeah um speaking of canadians i brought up aaron who brought up this point perhaps this is why i love the canadians is some similar wiring but uh, at the risk of being canadian over apologizing as i do again um apologies for you know whether certain tones uh, you know (laughs) excuse me uh is that Forrester? Uh, you know, you know, if I've been snappy, uh, which you know, uh, even though I'm aware of like you know what, what's going on with me, you know, despite your your best, you can still come off the wrong way, right? Um, and I feel like it was pretty positive overall the night that we're going to be recapping. But I'll, I'll get to uh, I'll get to myself uh, because you know you always got to look in the mirror on things, especially with criticisms. And that was one thing uh, as I parlay into kind of like year-end thoughts and kind of where we come. Uh, for shouts, by the way, number one and, and really the main and only thing is, is my listeners, by the way. Um, obviously, it's with all the things that's been going on, not, uh, non-pandemic, again, this would have been the craziest year of my life. Nothing to do with the pandemic with, of course, uh, my, my mother, family members, all this other crazy crap right which I'll, I'll spare you here but most of you get the gist or i've hinted or explained enough of them on this show um for it to have been the craziest year of my life minus what is the craziest year of all of our lives right so not not discounting that but just just for some context here um but for anything that all the curves that this year has had for all of us obviously but but myself personally I mean, to constantly just have this podcast to go to, something I've always kind of dreamed about, you know? I've always been a big fan of, maybe it was the tabooness, you know? Uh, parents would be taking us to field trips in the early 90s in school, and the mom would leave it on the Howard Stern show when we get in the car, and she'd be quick to change the channel. And I'd be like, no, I'll leave it. And it was just the most entertaining stuff. I was like, otherwise I had to, you know, I think, what, what was it, on MTV or 36E? Channel 36, but it was like the E network. You'd have to stay up like at midnight and then you'd get to watch the Howard Stern show. And, uh, you know, they blur everything out, of course, but even, you know, just as a, you know, <laughs> to mess a teenage boy didn't matter, especially pre internet, right? You're like, you get, you'd be happy with whatever you get your hands on. Uh, so I've, uh, wow, uh, left turn there, but I've always loved this kind of model, whether it be radio or whatever, just long form talking and have people that, you know, uh, I think I've done better, by the way, of expediting these shows and not going over an hour and covering a lot from both recapping and previewing. Um, that being said, back to the Canadian note, I still find myself apologizing all the time. And I have other listeners in my DMs like, dude, you don't got to apologize. You do, you, you know, you do, do a great job. And whether it's small insecurities or big things that happen in life, again, try, sorry to be long-winded. It's definitely a different flow this episode. Warning, right? Uh, just to have this here and you guys there wherever you are uh, and wherever we connect whether it be the DMs on Twitter uh, at Dan Tom MMA keep them open for y'all for anything um, I try my best to get back as promptly as possible although Facebook if you reach out to me it might be a while sorry about that um, but just you know just seeing those things you know has just been so huge so huge Um Mental health is not a comfortable thing to talk about. Weakness in yourself or anybody else. Um, 
aside from the normal trash-throwing ways that seems to be a part of our society and culture these days, of course. But in general, human to human, it is conversation to conversation, friend to family member, friend to friend, whatever. It's generally not a comfortable topic to broach, no matter who you are, right? That's fair. Um, and kind of like my man over um, over a bloody elbow, uh, Tim B. Uh, he was the first person I've actually met with 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 Tourette's and helped introduce me to the Tourette's podcast. Um, when you finally do let people know, <laughs> the best and worst result tend to be, and I'm, I'm probably butchering his words, so apologies, but the general theme tend to be people could give a shit <laughs> and they don't bring it up, which is fine. Um, and that's definitely been the case for a lot. However, um, not just for myself, selfishly, you know, again, part of the reason why I apologize for the depression coming in, of course, the comorbidity for those who aren't aware of, of things like Tourette syndrome, uh, OCD, ADHD, all these things, right? Uh, and I don't really claim those things individually because there, there are plenty of people that struggle with just those things. Um, and Tourette's is enough of a neurological umbrella to deal with and, and to explain people with. It's just sometimes, I don't know if it's easy, it's definitely not easier to leave it at that, but for me, as far as perspective wise, um, but yeah, that, uh, so those side effects, if you will, <laughs> of the Tourette's, um, do sneak in or, you know, to, for at least for me in these ways, uh, at this time of year. And I can only speak for myself. Um, and with this year, what we're all dealing with, right. And why I say we should all be aware of mental health. Cause even if you were, whether you were a doubter or not, but you just didn't have to deal with mental health, it wasn't part of your perspective. I think we've all felt that, you know, we've all been a little agitated toward friends, family members, things like that over the year. And uh, and I will be rounding out this and pushing on, folks. So don't worry. Uh, but um, <clears throat> but as I catch myself doing this more and more, that was part of the reason why I felt the need to kind of come out, if you will, to steal the term from the. Uh, you know, from the from the from the gay contingent, who of course I you know got love for y'all too. Uh, so especially now that I find myself using similar words, like yeah, I came out this year, you know, <laughs> with uh, with Tourette's that is right. But you just and a lot of people with Tourette's use that phrasing too. So you know, it's all in a friendly way, of course. Uh, you know, it gets a giggle. Um, but like, but yeah, that's why I did. And even though. Back to the Tim example and shouts to him, like, which is a good thing because most people are worried. Um, you know, you're going to get reactions more like I did growing up, but like society, we joke, and even me, man, even me, I'll be like, man, things are getting too PC and this and that, and we need to relax. It's intent, you know, uh, ease up on the comedians, which I still believe uh, case by case, of course, right? <clears throat> However, you, you, there are positive effects to this quote-unquote woke era, right? Like, you hear younger kids just having such a healthy perspective. We're all so worried about them going into this pandemic. And whether it's dealing with the pandemic or me, again, shout out to the Threats Podcast, hearing these younger kids that deal with what I deal with. Like, of course, part of me is like, you know, there's always the older generation, like, oh, you have it so easy, kids. You don't know what it was like when I was a kid. You know, of course, there's a little bit of that, if I'm being completely honest. But overall, it's pretty mind-blowingly awesome to know that, like, it's 
it's much uh, it's a much healthier place to kind of you know express these differences you know whether it's in sexuality mental health take your pick right um, and even though things are crazy right now and divisive folks I think it's good to remember that there are greater goods at play and um, also to remember that when we are throwing stones kind of look in the mirror and even though I laid out a little bit of TMI I apologize for taking time there believe me it doesn't make me exempt from being an asshole it doesn't make me exempt from uh, not being the best person from time to time from time to time uh, right so and I'll, I'll get to that uh, in the recap actually here as we recap UFC Vegas 17 I feel like it was a positive night overall from for myself and, and even the online experience but you know the it doesn't matter how good or the night's going or not. There's just a lot of arguing online. And um, even though it might not make sense at times, the arguments, just try not to waste your energy, folks, even if you, you're on the quote-unquote right side. Uh, and try to also cut people slack. Don't get me wrong. If someone's like outright being racist or doing the – obviously, you know, you, you can save your empathy muscle there. I, I, I'm not saying across the board here. But in general, I think it wouldn't hurt for us to all remember that everybody is going through different shit, man. Everybody's going that we can't understand. A lot of people, much as I'm not going to continue to explain, don't worry. But even if I did, it you know you can only understand so much. Just like I can only understand so much of you. So let's try to all keep in mind that everyone's going through some shit, and it's been a tough year for everybody in different ways, and a lot of the same ways. Um. And less divisiveness is better. Less my team versus your team. That's why I do genuinely wish everybody well every night, even if they're with me or against me. It's not some move or to, to make myself look, oh, he's so enlightened, I am not. Um, no, it's, it's, I genuinely wish everybody to do well. Um, so, yeah, all right, sorry about that. Again, weird episode. I gave you the warning. Going to be a little weird there. Hey, sorry for the quick edit here. I usually don't do these, but uh, as I recorded this and posted it today, it was this morning, and um, I feel really tone deaf if I didn't go back and edit it. And I should have done this a little sooner, so the episode's been up for a few hours at the point of this edit. So some people probably already listened. They're like, why is he so tone deaf? Which is the next part of this podcast. Uh or the next shout uh, where I give or explain a tweet where I shouted out the UFC production and the differences between uh, Dana White and his approach uh, and trying to remember not to hate on the production. They're just regular people, yada, yada. I'll get into that in the next thing. But um, I don't mention that whole media appreciation post that uh, UFC, which is pretty much Dana White, has his fingerprints all over it, uh, posted. So talk about bad timing on your boy's part. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here trying to like end on a positive note and give you know bring everybody together. Let's start the healing. And you know it's just like fuck that. I'm lighting a match on my way out the door, <laughs> spraying the Uzi with the victory lap, um, and you know uh, putting you know ending the year, uh, making sure we go into the year with some more volatility because as bad as the edited piece was and unfair as it was by just snipping out and some of these members in the media like. I figured they could, some of these people, like, you could accuse of, like, being too nice to the UFC. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, just didn't, I, 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 showing their pictures and mugshots, that just really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, <clears throat> but you could argue what was more bothersome than that was just going to the comment section and just 
uh, just reading just the whole alive and well of, you know, just the whole F the media and why can't they, you know, why do they punch up? Why can't they punch up? Why do they got to punch down? I'm like, because promoters, uh, you know, are supposed to put things up. That's the promoter's job. It's not the media's job. We don't have to like the media folks, but their job is to ask these questions. And we were dealing with something that was completely unprecedented that none of us knew what we were dealing with. So instead of slinging shit on each side, um, since none of us are goddamn scientists, let's just take it easy, shall we? Anyways, I had to just edit something in there to just just so I don't sound completely tone deaf because, yeah, no, I, I, that was gross. And making it about, you know, uh, Dana making it about himself more than anything and you know, not talking about the other parts of this pandemic or, you know, I don't I don't know how much it's going to make uh, Khabib want to come back, as my man Tom Feely tweeted, you know, since his dad died of COVID and then to be reminded of sad things like uh, photographers and journalists who weren't old or anything like that that um, were taken by it. So uh, it just sucks, man. It's a crappy time and I wish we could just agree on that. But no, we got to have more divisiveness in arguing and, and shitting on people. That is, I guess, just the way of the world. So I, I apologize, um, especially as it kind of comes off weird because you didn't hear the next part. But once you hear the next part, folks, you understand why I had to put this caveat in there. This was all recorded, again, before that lovely piece um, was dropped. So I still stand by uh, giving love to the production. It's not their fault that they have to, you know, uh, you know, produce state propaganda from time to time. <laughs> um. And yeah, and, and, and I did mention the other stuff too, which um, did kind of still age appropriately because that narrative obviously is still at play and louder and strong. So whatever. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to get into it any further, but I just want to at least ugh, explain my motive there and if, if it seemed tone deaf, um, the timing. So carry on. Enjoy life. Here's the rest of the show. Uh, I also want to give a shout to not just my listeners and everybody, you know, uh, who listen to this nonsense, but also just, you know, UFC production. I gave them a tweet and a shout, and I know people were like, hey, you know, uh, Dana White, uh, this or that, or... Listen, I'm not going to tell you guys how to feel about Dana White or the positives or negatives, you know, uh, of his approach. Um, or the fact that the positives, of course, are going to be, right, be bumped up with this narrative. And you can have whatever opinion you want on that. I'm not going to tell you any different. Um, but with my tweet and shouting out the UFC, and it's something I've done before, and I probably haven't done enough. And that's why I try to be, for all the negatives, I try to come back, which I'll touch on in this UFC 17. It's also apropos recap. Uh, negatives toward officials. Try to give them positives as well, right, the refs. Um, and regardless of what you feel about Dana White as the figurehead or things like fighter pay, which are very important and you should, we all should be educated as best we can on it. Right. Believe me, I get it. (laughs) I'm with you on the fighter pay, especially. Okay. Like you don't have to convince me and nor am I trying to convince you, but I do think it's important to delineate the difference between the production because I'm not as familiar with them as like my colleagues like the John Morgans of the world, but there are plenty of just, you know, good, you know, salt of the earth people, people like me and, and you, just average people that 
just bust their ass week in and week out. And even though I'm in this niche, or I feel like I'm in this niche bubble who have to cover it week in, week out, and I cover it in such a unique way, and I'm already in such a minority of a circle, there's not many people to relate to, you know? And I see that now with people like, oh, no, a month without UFC, whereas, like, I'm sure a lot of people, whether they would admit it or not, the media space are just like, thank fucking Christ. <laughs> I can fucking breathe. Oh, I have a family. Oh, I have friends, you know, whatever, right? Um, but like, uh, even me, even though it wasn't much of a break and not many people can take much of a vacation with this era we're living in in 2020, right? Still, there were weeks where we got to take off, air quotes or not, right? But the UFC production, I don't know how much vacation they got, folks. They were already running on tight crews and a lot of them lost their jobs with the cuts, right? And even though Dana White, you know, as part of the his pandemic campaign, it is proudly hasn't cut anybody. Um, of course, you know, not, not including the independent contractors, where I think it'll be north of sixty. Uh, but like, you know, word on the street is check out my thesis. Are they you may or may not have cut some people already inside that you know, as far as internal staff and. It was brutal the first time around, you know, and I don't even know the people that closely, but, you know, these people bust their ass, are always friendly, always accommodating. Uh, when I've been to the Apex and otherwise um, at events, which isn't my beat, but when I have. Um, and, man, just the thanklessness of that job, right? You never get thanked even in a normal year, even if uh, your job is quote-unquote cush. So... Big big shouts to UFC production. Uh, but uh, yeah, year-end stuff. I'm not going to do too much year-end stuff here. We've we've come a long way, <laughs> certainly. Hopefully we have. I hope we can come back around, back to my previous note. Sorry to go the deep dive on the psychology and mental health. But again, it's not talked about in a lot of podcasts. And I don't think it'll hurt my analytics any more than <laughs> they already are. Um which is which is fine because I'm grateful for the listeners I have, and I'll save uh, that page note for my goals section, which I'll close out here. But yeah, year end stuff. No, no words here. Uh, maybe we'll we'll bring back the neckies in due time. Um, but I would just try to think of obscure things, and considering that, like, again, um, the other podcasts do a great job, whether it's like normal awards or obscure awards. Like, I would probably end up just you know. Having, you know, been from the fight site on and talking about hogs the whole time or something. Or, you know. <laughs> so you guys don't need that in your life anymore. You already had that. But uh, speaking of that, you guys let me know your favorite PYNP, Protect Your Neck Podcast of the Year. Whether it was a top five show or even a breakdown show. You know, I can say a couple shows ago, I think I had one of, the, one of my better breakdown shows I was actually happy with. Which I always... Not always, but especially with when it's just me solo, uh, not the top five shows. I'm always very critical on those, uh, the product I give you guys. Um, there's also that breakdown show where I had a guest, which I rarely do, and I should do more, but I'm lazy. But the first Fight Island pay-per-view with Fernanda Pratas, that was uh, that was awesome. Go subscribe to her show, Best Camp of My Life. Uh, that was definitely a fun show that did very well. Um and uh, yeah, uh, so let me know at the PYN podcast on Twitter. We'll get you a retweet. You know, let me know your favorite uh, favorite show, favorite part of the show, 
and whatnot. But, um, you know, fighter of the year categories, like, I would probably be contrarian and going with, like, Kevin Holland and pissing everybody off, right? Um, instead of going with Figgy Scent, which, you know, should be the front runner and rightfully so. Um, fight of the year, I wasn't one, I love my, I love my, my, my brothers and sisters in the media, but <laughs> y'all are not helping our stereotypes, uh, as far as fitting one of the many stereotypes we have, as far as like recency bias and immediately after every cool thing and every event, you can always count <laughs> on someone in the media going, is that something of the year? And I don't know if it's this mentality to be the first person to say it and we want to. You know, I'll proudly say how long I've been on, on on things, but I don't think I can, you know, claim to be the guy on anything. Uh, so maybe that's just me and my wiring, granted. But, uh, but yeah, I just, we need to tune down the recency bias because, again, uh, us media do have an effect on the gen pop as well. Um, so I, I wasn't one of those that was like Figueredo Moreno fight of the year. Um, I've pretty much stayed consistent with... Um, Zhang Wei Li and Yoni and Jacek, uh, so that that would probably would have been my vote. Um, and I really don't have um, many others, you know. Probably would have given some love to AJ McKee just because of being different, right? And even though a lot of us catch wrestling folk um, was able to deconstruct it rather quick, rather quickly. My nose in the air as I say that, right? Jesus, Dan. Wearing the gi now, and you're still standing the catch wrestling. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, it still just befuddled so many people. And AJ McKee's had such a year. Uh, so I probably would have given it to him. Um, Flick's definitely a late mention. And we'll talk about that in a second uh, here as we get to the recap. But like biased aside of the being on the wrong end of that play, um, it was cool. The catch was super cool, but the adjustment, you know, I think kind of killed the momentum of what was a surprise thing. Now it didn't kill it in the sense that, you know, he wasn't able to finish with it because he did and good on him. But uh, if you're splitting hairs, which you have to do, I probably would have said that. But again, I honestly don't really care. Like I wouldn't die on any of these hills. Like if someone's like, yeah, I give it the fuck, okay. I'm just, you know, and, and this isn't anything new. Like, you guys see it with my top five lists. Um, if something happened that could probably be on the list recently, it probably won't make my list. Not because it doesn't deserve to be, but just because I want to correct, and I can overcorrect it, that's for damn sure. That's 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 your boy's mistake. But I like to try to correct the wheel away from recency bias as opposed to the general pop always steering right into the fucker till it takes you off the road, right? We've all been there. Um... So yeah, those are pretty much my um, my of the year thoughts. Let's actually get to this recap, and we'll, we'll close out the Amazon order list here. So I got fucking jawing on Dan. <laughs> All right, twenty three here and change. <clears throat> Let's go. All right, um, UFC Vegas seventeen headlined by Stephen Thompson, who defeated Jeff Neal by unanimous decision. 50-45s across the board. Uh, don't disagree with that. Um, you know, RIP to the under. And those of you asking me for my favorite bet, and um, it was. Even with the couple ads that I did, which I'll talk about that and kind of a general strategy I want to keep going forward. You guys can let me know what your thoughts, steal what you will, revise what you will, hit me with what I think I should revise, if you will. I'm no saint. 
especially at this. Uh, but um, we'll talk about that. But uh, yes, no revisionist history there. It was the biggest one. I still ended up having a positive night because we'll talk about the straight plays. We went nine and three overall straight plays. Three and two, although I did end up adding Aldo, um, although I didn't get the price that I, I wanted, that I hinted at, but uh, it never came down. So we ended up going four and two in straight plays, zero oh and two in the props, and of course one of those props, yes, was the under four point five. Despite it being statistically the most to hit, it did not, um, which sucks. And I genuinely feel bad um, for people that loaded it up on that and then loaded it up on like maybe the Neil side as well, uh, because I felt like if you were going with that for your add-on, added bonus, possible hedge, however you wanted to look at it. It probably would have been more of an added bonus if you were on Neil, right? Because you probably would have cashed the Neil money line, which is still playable, albeit chalk. Um, and then you would have got the playable chalk of the under because Neil probably would have done it under 4.5, right? On paper. Um, however, in my defense, even though it didn't hit, uh, I did tell you I was on the Wonder Boy side. I was able to get him at plus money. I, I, I shouldn't have, but thank you all for, for, for that. Um, so that mean that helps soften the sting for me. Again, I don't know how you played the angle, if whether you took the under and what you added on to it or not, how big you went. Help take some of the sting off that loss for me, getting Steven Thompson at plus money. And again, in my defense, it's not like neither guy didn't try for that under. Um, I told you you guys were gonna get a more aggressive Thompson. You know, people that picked Thompson by decision were obviously right. Right, I was wrong. But <laughs> It wasn't the conservative Thompson. It was going to be the aggressive Thompson. I feel like I called that to a T. Um, I feel like I called. I was one of the few people saying that, you know, Neil was going to look confused um, and uncomfortable um, and through limited weapons, which was the reasons why I couldn't pick him, even in the small cage. Uh, I didn't emphasize as much in the footwork as perhaps I should have, but you guys know where I stand on Stephen Thompson's footwork. I even almost posted that beautiful George Masvidal um, jab angle off cross like he just hits like two angles and one fail swoop um but uh i will say that so uh the only other person i think i heard or saw that was picking stephen thompson but also kind of had a similar read although in different and probably better words obviously because it's my man uh, at ryan wag mma ryan wagner over there at the fight site uh their preview show they had my man vic rodriguez on this week which was which was great love vic uh Ryan was uh, as he broke format, which is the which is the way of the show, which is great. Um, he was one of the few too that was super, not just confident on Thompson, but um, just that Neil was this is Neil wasn't going to be ready for this, and you had to be worried once you heard Safe Sayud wasn't going to be there um, because uh, his, his guys didn't do. We'll get to it. His guys didn't do well tonight. That had to be rough. He had a positive COVID test, so. Hopefully, safe Sayud is feeling well. Uh, but either way, he had to have been in pain just watching from home, because like that is the kind of corner man who really makes a difference, you know. Um, and I'm sure, you know, betters weren't able to find it out till broadcast, which is when most of us found out, right? Myself included. So, I really sympathized with like anyone betting on Fortis MMA guys as soon as that was revealed on the broadcast. I was like, oof. It's not good. You know, right when they heard, get well soon, safe, uh, and then with the, and the prelims, I was like, oh, oh, I know what that means. He's not there. I don't know why. Um, so that really sucked. And then, you know, in Neil's defense, I'm not trying to shit on Neil here, as I, you know, 
take as much of a victory lap as you'll hear me take, I guess. But um, I, I did tweet this as well. Like, in defense of Neil, keep in mind that head clash, although it cut and affected both fighters, um, it looked to affect Neil more as he kept blinking out his eye. And sure enough, he claimed to not be able to see after for the, you know, the four rounds after, right? Um, so you don't know how much that affected him. Uh, would it have changed the fight? He still would have had a lot of uphill things from the footwork onward, right? So, um, but, you know, in his defense, there was that. But even with that, like, you know, there was that. Stephen Thompson, they both were cut. Neil had one eye. Thompson had one leg toward the end. And they were going at it the whole time. And even when Thompson clearly was worried about his knee, what does he do? He stands in boxes for the fifth round. Like, you know, and the under is still alive at that point. They got a half a round to make it work. And Thompson out here is like, oh, did Thompson bet the under two? I figured he would have gotten his bike. Um, And, uh, and, and yeah, it was just beautiful. So even though we, we lost the under there, it, it wasn't for lack of trying. It wasn't for lack of a good read. Um, but sympathies, sympathy still. And, you know, it's nice to see Thompson getting his due, although people begrudgingly do it. So, so I know a lot of the more kickboxing folk, um, like uh, Luca Bordons of the world and, and, and so forth, uh, aren't fans of the guy, which is totally cool. I don't care if you're a fan of him or not. It's all good. Um, but Ed Gallo putting up, brought up a great point that he thinks a lot of, a lot of people, especially who pay attention to the kickboxing side of things, which I admittedly do not follow as much as I would like to. Um, have an issue because, of course, his accolades, like many fighters in the UFC, all their accolades get blown out of proportion, right? Um, you know, by the broadcast and production. And I love broadcast and production, obviously. Just kind of nature of the beast, right? Um, that's not his fault. Uh, and then he has a style that's kind of, you know, always been made fun of or not thought of highly, which is karate. And that's where I come in. That's where Dan will stand. And that's where I'll kind of fight a little bit, you know. It's more the Kempo karate side. But either way... Hopefully y'all can see that Thompson is a good striker and deserves some respect. Speaking of respect, Jose Aldo defeated Marlon Vera via unanimous decision. 29-28s across the board. Um, yeah. I guess I was, you know, spicy Aldo go to his wrestling and win the third round. But with the energy com uh, conservation uh in a three round fight which he doesn't get a lot of I suppose it made sense man three round Aldo man dangerous which we should have saw too in the Marlon uh Vera uh or the Marlon Marais fight <coughs> even if he wasn't throwing and, and landing a lot he had more of a gas tank and was coming forward you know so um but yeah uh Vera, I could see why he was live. I wasn't hating on Vera betters, and I'm definitely not going to be revisionist history on that. You know, sympathies to people who took a shot on Marlon, whether it was the third round or just the money line. You were getting plus money either way, right? However, um, with uh, one chalk failing me prior to this, and even though I didn't know my second chalk play was gonna gonna fail after, um, there are certain things that I'm not sure if I'm waiting for lines. I'll wait and see how my, my bets go and see where the bout order goes. So I'll pretty much essentially collect my analysis, uh, get my plays in, and then I record the podcast as my general process, right? Of course, my assignments are mixed in there for work too, but pri 
prior, right? Um, and what I'll do is, since I've you guys noticed, I've been more conservative in my place over the last couple of years, uh, narrowing them down, not 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 throwing darts all across the board. However, I've been missing a lot of darts because of that, or opportunistic plays that I just get scared off of. So a lot of the things, either it'll have to be not just the line movement that I'm looking for, but or not just drastic line movement where it's like making a deal you can't refuse. Like, you're going to give me that plus money now? Okay, I can't say no. Like, I'm not just talking about those even. Um, even if it's kind of close and it's still borderline where I might have, you know, uh, passed or not gotten it in, in time before, I will wait and see. And if those fight those questionable fights are later in the card and I have plays early in those, the card and the plays early in the card hit, then I'll be like, okay, I'll, uh, I can ration out X amount of units for this play now. And I did that here with Aldo at 149. I should have jumped on him when he was 140 or 145. Um, I figured with uh, the fading of the old guys that, you know, is popular and prominent in the betting community. And if you did that, this week, you didn't do well because the old guys did, and maybe that's why, coincidentally, your boy here did well. My bias actually came through, right? However, I do have analysis to back up my biases and picks and et cetera. Um, but, yeah, man, it, Aldo at 149, I couldn't say no, and he cashed it, you know, which was good, too, because, you know, I couldn't decide if he was uh, going to do it inside the distance or by decision. I'm pretty sure I ended up sticking to decision because that's what I said on my preview video, and I'm a junkie. So I'll always stay consistent with those. Always check those. Uh, but yeah, Michelle Pajeda defeated Chaos Williams. Unanimous decision. And what was a pretty well-measured fight from both men. So it was the trends that both of them were hinting and showing. Um, albeit Williams a lot less of because his fights were obviously a lot shorter. And again, uh, I don't blame anybody for taking a shot on Williams. I think there was a good argument that he won the fight and stole the rounds. Um... I figured the judges were going to go 29-28 Pajeda, but I don't know what I was doing. I don't feel like I was watching this fight as closely as I should have. Um, I think I was tweeting, too, because of the fight that came before. And uh, I should have played Pajeda, but I missed out because I think he actually dropped a dog money by the time of fight time. And if he dropped a dog money, then I would have sprinkled, and I was doing well enough, too. So I definitely missed out on there. And I, I did say the one angle to target, both on Aaron Brown and Stairs pre-show, and on my show, other shows as well, is that it's probably going to go over. I didn't expect the fight to maybe look like that, but I thought we could get a weird fight going over. Um, I missed both those, so hopefully you were on either of those sides. Um, Rob Font defeated Marlon Marais via first-round TKO. Um, didn't expect it to go in the first round, so for those of you waiting a live bet, you didn't get a chance as soon as you saw Marlon start to fade. Um, and I don't know how good of a line you would have got because even though Marlon was doing some smart things and trying to wrestle early, perhaps save himself the damage, <laughs> as soon as it started coming, he did not look good. He did not like what he was seeing. And then even like jabs were just rocking his world and getting him wobbly. Um, so Font cashed. Uh, cashed for us in the line movement MMA betting sheet, which is nice as well. Um, the yeah, the dogs did well for us. Uh, the dogs that I was on, at least. Um, and uh, that was nice. But I, again, you know, Dan Tom has a heart, whether he's catching a bet or not, picking or not. I always feel for the other guy, right? Um, and one of the few people you'll see out there tweeting, I hope this person's okay. Um, because I'm not trying to kill the fun, but I just 
I feel I still still don't feel like we're at a healthy enough place with how we treat and celebrate head trauma, you know. Um, and even though I joked, we'll get to the uh, a Durden and Flick fight. Even though I joked, um, like ah, I've been on like the opposite end of the cool shit. Like, dude, even if I picked fucking uh, Joaquin Buckley to do that, right? Like, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be. Uh, you know, I'm celebrating it super hard. But I hope fucking Impa's all right. And the tweet would have been very similar. Um, and that's not how you have to be, by the way. It's just my weird wiring. <laughs> so, um, and that, and then I also have, you know, I react a little more to head trauma. And because of my own personal things, yes. However, I would argue the other people who tend to get most upset, like the commentators or analysts or pundits, what do they all have in common? They were either in there. Uh, they're, they're all in there as, as competitors, right? They've all made that sacrifice. Or they were in there as a ref, as Big John even. But even though he actually gives an interesting explanation, which I'll, I'll give to help provide context to what we saw. Um, shout out to Big John's uh, podcast with Josh Thompson, by the way, weighing in on YouTube, one of the things I watch on YouTube, subscribe to. Um, <clears throat> but he even said... Um, it was a bad stoppage for what it's worth. So that's always kind of the authority, um, the authority uh, I go to. Whether you whether you like Big John or not, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to reffing folks. He's he's an encyclopedia that you, that you cannot deny. Um, of course, I'm biased. I'm a Big John fan, granted, but uh, but yeah. Um, so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and. Like all of us do, we react a bit emotional, and I felt like I might have been doing a bit of that. So I tried to audit and edit as I went, and even though accountability needs to happen more amongst commissions, so functionally, fundamentally, this is wrong of me to do, but I'll be a bit reluctant to say the name. I'll say ref a lot when it's a negative tweet I'm doing. When it's a positive, I make sure to say their name to make sure they get the credit. Um... And people, so many people pile on Goddard, and Goddard is a you know composed guy. He wasn't you know being emotional about it. There wasn't any like the prior things like you'll see with uh, uh, Herb Dean or others. There'll be a lot of a challenge of power before a bad call. Someone will challenge their power, and it'll just, it'll just muddy the ref's judgment. Unfortunately, again, overcorrecting the steering wheel, being a human being. This wasn't any of that, you know. Goddard had his eyes on it, was measured, which was in Goddard's a, you know good ref man. Say what you will about him, he's a good ref. Uh, so it was just kind of crazy. It's like, are you not seeing what we're seeing? Because it looked like he might have briefly went out and flashed out at least twice, maybe even three times if you count the very end when Goddard finally does stop it, right? Um, and it was, was very much like Holloway and Aldo at UFC 211, um, which there's another interesting note Big John says on that, on his podcast, the same episode about that card in Brazil. Um, but it reminded me of that stoppage and then the, both Marais and Aldo's reaction, like, thank God, f like not just what the, like, not what the fuck, but he did you, oh, they take a breath and just fall back. Like, thank God that's over. Like they were waiting for it to get stopped and refs shouldn't pay attention to the clock. I agree with that. Like, uh, you know, they need to pay attention to the action in front of them. They shouldn't pay attention to, you know, technically they shouldn't be like, give the guy the respect to the champion, right? Oh, he's giving him the respect of a champion. Like, technically, none of the outside contact should matter. 
because what's happening is what's relevant and it's hard enough to do and judge, right? However, even though I acknowledge that and I'm usually in, in, in as much of an arbiter you can be from the sidelines as far as those rulings go, even I said this is a case where you should be taking the fighter into account. If you want to make the argument of a champion or if you want to make the argument of a veteran who you know, usually needs has a tough time and, and needs to get through fights and needs to be allowed that time, if you want to make any of those arguments then you should be a, a sympathetic to at least what I'm going to say, which is you should also be aware of a guy is coming in off a fast turnaround and has been stopped in two of his last three, now three of his last four, but the fight that he came in and off being a TKO knockout lost off of was off of a really hard spinning kick with a heel after he was already hurt. And in that damage that he sustained that led up to the spinning head kick knockout, some of the more dangerous shots you can take, wheel kicks, hook kicks, anything with that heel and that weight swinging, right? He broke his orbital. Like, all those things from concussive to the orbital break. Um, you know, I think he had his nose busted up in two of the three prior. Like, all these things from physical to neurological and everything in between. Like, it was a fight. And I've heard plenty of other people in podcasts say that it shouldn't happen. It's a really questionable booking. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be some fucking arbiter of justice and moralistic. Like, it's part of the reason why I played him as a better. You know, you again, whether you're officiating or, or you're betting, right, for much different reasons, much different on the moral spectrum, either way, your context has to be clean. It'll help you do your job better if you keep your context clean. However, that is one context I would argue um, because it factored into the betting side of it and it should have factored into this much more important, much more relevant safety side of things. Uh, however, as Big John relays that, despite the orbital break and spin kick to the head, I guess Marais still ended up complaining to Goddard after the fact because Goddard officiated Marais' last fight. <coughs> so when it came to the pre-rules thing, of course, like all fighters usually do anyways, but you got to imagine Marais extra was just like, don't stop my fight, let me go out, let me go out, you know, and, and did that whole thing, which is not uncommon, folks. Um... So Mark Goddard did. So I feel bad still, nonetheless, for criticizing Goddard, uh, especially knowing that. However, how was I or anybody else to know that? Um, aside from being Big John, being the inside scoop and deciding to share it with us post-fight on his podcast, right? Um, and in my defense, Big John himself, officials to other people, um, agreed that it was a, a late stoppage. Uh, I, I, however... You know, of course, like there is on Twitter, you got whether they're tweeting at me, at someone else, or they're just posting, making their own posts that just so, again, I hate this, so confident, like in the craziest sport that's so fucking hard to call, it's so hard to predict. And even things that we just saw, there's so much gray area to what we just saw. That's why refs are such a hard job, right? Again, that what get what always bothers me, it doesn't even have to be at me, it could be just a tweet, which I saw plenty of those, right? Just so confident. Like, anybody who thinks that's a bad stoppage is bullshit or that was a fine to Like, you know, and, like, do you go to official school? You got experience in that? You you corner people? You fight? I've done two of the three. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, 
that's what gets me, you know. Or you know, people want to argue just to argue. And but this is also again where I feel bad and where I say cut people slack because you know, perhaps there's a little more field base today. Everybody being in not the best places and whatnot, right? But like, and I feel bad because like it was an account that I quote tweeted to because I wasn't that wasn't the only account that was you know. Um, questioning my wordage and even at that point I'm questioning it too right because I'm like am I, am I overcorrecting the steering wheel am I being over emotional here and again I'm seeing the conjecture um, and I don't often do this so I'll use the quote tweet to get my point across but oftentimes the quote tweet can look or be taken like you're trying to stamp on the pe- stomp on the person which is definitely used for that too you know what I'm saying but even though I I backed up my tweet I think fairly fine with facts and a healthy come together message even just which was basically like collectively regardless of your thoughts on that stoppage you don't and again with everything that's another thing i'm not like you got to agree with me or else i never come off that way i never say that in fact it's the opposite um and i reiterated it in that tweet saying again you don't have to agree with me i just would like it regardless of what your thoughts on that stoppage is is that if we could all collectively come to a healthier place where we don't need the fighter to go completely weekend at Bernie's on us before we go. That was a good stoppage. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's too much to ask, even amongst the most hardcore uh, fan of knockout games. Yeah. Uh, I think we, even those those dudes can can find some empathy in their hearts. Um, so I, I didn't mean to stamp on the Middle Easy. I'm a fan of Middle Easy account and um, the person who I think tweets from there. Uh, because he's a dude who I met in person and I like. He used to podcast himself, and I hope he does go back to podcasting. Um, but the reason why I meant, don't, don't mention his name is because, uh, other than although I, I'm calling out myself more than anything, because I, I apologize if I came off shitty, because I like this person, although I don't know <laughs> this person uh, likes me so much. Again, it's fine. Like I said last week, I'm at the acceptance portion. You don't have to like me. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I probably said stuff to justfully piss you off. So uh, it's no spilt milk or crying or, you know, sub talking or tweeting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's why I'm not going to mention the name. But I just will say the Middle Easy account because I do love Middle Easy. You should follow them. And I wasn't trying to stamp on them. But again, just all the conjecture, both directed at me and not. Um, it just was a, a perfect. Uh, uh, just seemed like the perfect opportunity to get the opinion across, which I was like, going to hold back because I, I didn't want that to take over. Again, back to me criticizing the media. I'm a part of the media too, folks, and I got to do my part too. And I'm, I, I didn't want it to start going overly emotional, even if I felt and ended up being in the right, by the way, and having facts, by the way. Still, I didn't want to do that because it's annoying for one, <laughs> and two, it's going to take away from Rob Font, right? Because the media starts talking about this, and whether you agree with it or not, it becomes the talking point. It becomes the beach ball. We bounce back and forth, just like in politics and. Lord knows we don't need any more of that in our lives. So let's just focus on the fighter as I went on that diatribe. <laughs> but yes, I just wanted to give apologies for that. I don't mean to come off shitty from calling myself out there. Um, Marcin Tibora defeated Greg Hardy via second round TKO. Um, again, you know, a lot of people on the Hardy train, a lot of people I respect, uh, listeners, who I constantly am in the DMs with. You know, I know Hardy's your guy. Uh other podcasters, friends in the community, who I'm also always in the DM with. I know Hardy's been your guy in the past, uh, so I ain't trying to shit on y'all or anything like that. But, you know, again, this is a brand that's been long before Dan Tom got in MMA. My both contrarian ways and 
there is a little bit of, listen, I, I used to do the football practices for fun because I was, A, friends with the coaches, and I grew up playing football with everyone from the quarterback on the football team um, to the center uh, and so forth, okay? So, like, um, I, I always thought, like, being an offensive or defensive coordinator is one of the, the coolest jobs in sports, not just football. So it's not that I hate football or don't have an appreciation for it, but being in America and just having football, American football, you know, contrarian Dan Tom, let's just say stepped away from the football and spent most of high school fighting everybody I wasn't friends with on the football team. So eventually... I think those my friends I grew up with always had a hard time inviting me around because I was the OG friend, but they also knew that someone was going to say something to Dan Tom and Dan Tom was going to try to fight them uh, <laughs> because as big, as much bigger as they were, they were all fucking pussycats when you really challenged them and under pressure, I found real quick. So instead of, even though I could outwit them, they wouldn't understand being outwitted. So I think at a certain point, especially as I, I, I uh, got closer to my second black belt, I was just like, you know what, fuck these guys. Even my instructor was like, you need to get in more fights. You're too nice. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, right? And so I found that what would end the annoying jabs or if they started trying to start something or come up with some kind of name they would hope would catch on with their friends and ruin the rest of the day, I would just cut it short right there and go, let's fucking go. And that would usually pretty much end it because even though they had size, friends, and numbers... They didn't want to fight little old Dan Tom. It was really weird. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a crazy side that comes out, which came out actually recently, which is another reason I got to check myself here. Um, so there's a little bit of that bias because we overinflate football players and athletes, especially in this country, um, no matter what they do. And, again, I've never been the person to bring it into my analysis, much less even this podcast. I don't really harp on the domestic abuse stuff. I've, I've been very – I've been more than fair when it comes to that for anybody accusing the media of not letting us watch the fight and always reminding us of that. Like, you can't accuse that of myself. However, it does prove the point. Greg Hardy is a, is a poster child of athleticism, football, buying you opportunities that you don't deserve in life constantly. And, you know, it's fine as a kid. I'm over it. I've moved past it. I've succeeded despite the academic system that failed me and many. Um, and now all of my success is, you know, shitting in their face. So I'm cool. However, it is annoying to see that now that we're past and moved on from high school, like high school still exists for some of these cats, like from just the goofy shit that probably should be more on his endearing side of characteristics that Greg Hardy would do. I'd be, oh, this guy is a child. He never grew up. And part of being a child is a consequence for his own. Um... And you incorporate that with, you know, some head trauma, athleticism, size, and a lot of money, and a lot of opportunities. Boy, it could be very dangerous, right? So for that reason alone, I'm happy to see Hardy be weeded out because I was never impressed, even when I picked him. I think I only picked him against him. Like, this is only my second, second, maybe third time. I don't know if I, if I like, took a shot on Sassoli, maybe. Um, but like, yeah, I think it was just this time Volkov and maybe Sassoli. That was it. And even in the Sassoli fight, like as bad as Sassoli turned out to be in the curve that he turned, right? Like 
again, the, the inhaler gate, that was the key. You saw hints of that ever since. Like, what's going to happen with this guy? He already had questions of his gas tank being a heavyweight of his size and fighting style. Now you got the asthmatic side of it. Well, he has to go longer than a football play. Um, so you get an experienced guy who's durable and, you know, taking the doctor photos, trending like his buddy Polish power, Jan Blakovich, you know what I'm saying? Guy that can actually do stuff on the grounds, actually can take backs and take mounts, like one of the few heavyweights that's actually pretty confident from that. Like, I, I probably should have put Tabura on the sheet, to be honest. Um, uh, maybe it was because I was afraid of getting so much backlash because, again, you pick against very hard. Again, how could you pick against football and athleticism? Because uh, it's martial arts, motherfuckers. Say what you will about football, but I've done martial arts for as long as, if not longer than a lot of people we watch compete. I suck, of course. I've got my ass kicked, of course. But I'm much more familiar with that world than these athletes that just walk into jiu-jitsu class. And what will happen... What happens? You guys, a lot of people, a lot of jiu-jitsu guys listen to this podcast. What happens when those big athletes go? Survive the storm, and you don't even have to finish head and arm chokes. They're giving them to you. And Greg Hardy was already in that position. He's like, take the head and arm choke. He was just in fetal position. Didn't even try to fight. I mean, it was sad. Like, people saying that the last decade, last two decades, UFC single-digit defense, like, it was... It was awful. Um, so, yeah, I'm usually not one to do victory laps, but I sympathize for, again, people who, you know, Greg Hardy was your guy, or if you bet him, I'm not trying to make you feel worse about that. But as far as Greg Hardy's concerned and that prototype's concerned, and nothing against my football-playing friends, too, either. Don't don't take that personal. Again, I, half of them, half y'all are, are fucking awesome. <laughs> um, Greg Hardy just represents the other half. You know what I'm saying? That gives y'all a bad name. <laughs> Doesn't give y'all a bad name. What am I saying? Jeez. Now I'm gonna have football people after me. Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> no, it's just the asshole jocks, okay? That's all. That's all. Alright. Uh Anthony Pettis defeated Alex Morono. I picked Pettis for his athleticism. See, I don't completely hate athleticism. Alright, I picked it here. Even though part of me was rooting for Morono. Um Anthony Pettis, man, he really did turn a corner, you know? Um, winning in the way he did. You know, talking about the mental reformation. Like, you, I, I feel like you really saw that. He's got, starts off awful, chasing a highlight real finish. Almost pays for it, gets a second degree of black belt on his back. Of course, he hits his back reversals. And, um, by the way, uh, of course, you know, Pettis is known for hitting his back reversals, kind of like John Fitch was always really known for that. Uh, however, it was just go back and watch Morono's teammate, um, Cesar Fajeda, because I forgot that he reversed third degree black belt in Fajeda, which is impressive on Pettis' part. But I love how Fajeda plays the ride um, to beat that and keeps keeps on top and keeps it more of a single ride and risk control. Um, and how that was just the difference, that kind of, you know, almost Khabib meta um, was really fantastic. Morono did not, though, um, play that similar back control. And uh, he played more of the jiu-jitsu back control, and Pettis will reverse that all day. Uh, so Pettis gets the decision. Um, I did sprinkle on inside the distance, so I sympathize with y'all. That was, like, the only play I made on that. Um, so uh, if you were one of the few who did Pettis by decision, good on you. 
Good on you. All right. Panny Kienza defeated Sajari Eubanks uh, via unanimous decision. I'm still thinking about all the football players that probably hate my podcast now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, please don't. Please don't. Please don't hate me for that. I to, come on. I got, I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to get shitty and take a little bit of a victory lap every once in a while, right? And it, it, so again, it's not 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 to the supporters; it's, it's to the man, and and the prototype, and and you know that's all. All right, Dan, stop apologizing, you fucking Canadian. <laughs> Manny Kienza defeated Sajari Eubanks for unanimous decision. Um, I sprinkled a little bit on Panny last minute, but nothing worth talking about, and I wish I did more because she actually won. Uh, the only thing I really had though was I did do, and it helped save my ass too. Um, I figured it wouldn't hit. It's probably like the most obvious parlay, which was the two Yagos and Ninchuku. Uh, but that wasn't enough to be juicy. And, uh, it was too juicy, right? As far as chalk juice. So I added the Santos Robertson, uh, not the Santos, uh, the Kianza Eubanks over. And, uh, that helped. But yeah, good on Penny Kianza. Could have made an argument for. Uh, Sarge winning that fight, but I'm guessing the submission attempts were rewarded, which is rare, so I'll be happy for that. Plus, it got right. Uh, this one hurt. I jumped on this, uh, not last minute, because it was on the podcast. Um, so apologies if you followed me off that cliff. I know it was a playable chalk, uh, and it seemed like a lot of us were on a Royal, man. Uh, of course, Darren Wynn defeated Royal, being a man in this decision, 29-28, 29-28, 29-28 across the board. Doesn't uh, surprise me, because... Um, with again, body language is such a strong thing, and Arroyo not just his takedown defense obviously was terrible, but his body language is awful. Um, and even though Darren win, he literally, I only saw him attempt to pass one time, and as soon as he attempted, he couldn't even finish it because even a gasp, Arroyo was able to get up from his terrible pass attempt. Like Win has no ground game; he just has takedowns, literally. He didn't throw any meaningful strikes or land any meaningful damage. He didn't pass guard or advance. The only riding positions he achieved was literally him hanging onto a royal's hips as a royal turtled up and didn't do anything with it. Um, I don't even think he really got a lot of mat returns because he himself was tired. So he would just score takedowns and either a royal would get up or when a royal was gassed, he Win was also gassed too, but you could tell he had no ground game to that even stalling. Was going to both tire and make him insecure, which says his skill level, right? If he is that, if he's A, that unconfident, and B, that and or B, that fearsome of tiring even in a stalling effort, that he would rather just let his opponent back up to give him another chance to beat him. Like, holy crap. I mean... I don't know. I'm trying to think who they could put him against to where you wouldn't bet the other guy, but like it's hard not to like just go fucking max bet to make your money back if you lost money on this one. You know what I'm saying? Uh, on Team Teddy Bear. Uh, but man, Arroyo. Uh, boy, I wasn't too high on that guy to begin with, but like, again, against Darren Wynn, like, I figured he'd had enough. And wow, Arroyo. Not sure if he gets another chance, but you know, you might want to look to fade him too for sure. Tala Santos defeated Julian Robertson's being unanimous decision. 30-26, 32 28 um, I don't hate the 29-28, actually. Uh, or not that I don't hate it. It didn't surprise me. 
um, because there wasn't enough damage done and advancements done for a 10-8, in my opinion, even though there was dominance and duration. Um, so from those two standpoints, yeah. I mean, she was dominant for a position for a duration of the round. I mean, you're barely qualifying for it, but if you want to use that qualification to for a 10-8... I guess I wouldn't have been mad because it wouldn't have made a difference anyways and we would like to see more 10-8s. Uh, however, the reason why I'm not mad at 29-28 because it meant someone gave credit for Robertson's submission attempts. Um, and considering that Santos barely punched, much less passed in round one, like I got no problem with the judge giving her that round. Uh, again, judges should, are trending and should be trending that way anyways because that's within the rule sets. Um, San however, you could tell Santos's corner got on her about that shit to at least stay busy enough to keep position, and that's how she was able to get duration and keep position. Um, and props to her, you know. It was, I was wrong on the Robertson inside the distance here and the pick. Um, but again, I don't know if the read was terrible because it was one of those fights where you could make the argument one girl's going to be the other's kryptonite. Now, I banked on one, on the wrong side. Um, however, to my point that even though Santos is the better striker and clinch fighter, that... I, I wouldn't be surprised for her to take Robertson down herself, which could get her into trouble. And we saw both in rounds one and two that there were multiple times where Santos could have disengaged and or not even gone for a takedown in the first place. And she played right into Robertson's strength and fell into arm bars. Now, she was able to escape them. But again, one of them cost her the round. Uh, and, you know, both of them could have cost her a fight, the fight if she was any less of a grappler, right? So... The read wasn't wrong, but the picture as hell was, so apologies for anybody who followed me off of that cliff. Tafon and Chukwi, fucking Team Thickums, uh, defeated Jamie Pickett via unanimous decision. Uh, really impressed with this guy's um, shifting nature, but yeah, he, you know, as as a as, uh, man Kevin Ioli there pointed out, who was cage side, so if anyone got a beat on the speed, it was him. And uh, yeah, don't let the cameras fool you. He was pretty slow, and... It was much more pronounced at middleweight, so that could be dangerous. Uh, however, he does seem to have a chin. I don't think he was rocked. I think the commentators might have been overreacting that one. Um, which, again, it's all live. It happens. It's all good. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this dude's durable. Uh, as durable as the guy I was rocking on my sweater. <laughs> Gosh, that was just hilarious. My timeline at a certain point. I wore my Nasty Nate shirt for the MMA Junkie videos uh, this last week. And then, like, I did both the betting show and Aaron Bronstetter's pre-show in my, um, who was that, the thick guy, uh, Christmas sweater I used, but it was the, the viral naked, naked, naked uh, black dude. And uh, I was like, man, there's a, there's a theme here that people are probably going to pick up on. <laughs> uh, Dan? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyways, Tafon, though, man, he, uh, he comes through. Jimmy Flick defeated Cody Durden. Good on Jimmy the Brick Flick. Uh, triangle choke. Um, Grats to people that were on the Flick side, the right side. But, uh, man, it, it, you got to feel, feel for... Uh, you don't got to feel for me. Um, or even Durden, but, man, just any fight where, like, the guy comes out, like, he's literally dominating in him every aspect. Wrestling, jiu-jitsu, clinch, kicking, punching. Just lighting him up and, like, Flick just... Can't defend the takedown. Not not as good as the wrestler, right? Um, couldn't reverse position. Uh, you know, just a real opportunist at heart. Again, uh, as much as I like the guy, I, 
boy, do I hate, I, I always end up losing to these guys because, you know, the read wasn't necessarily wrong, but Flicks just has that submission opportunism that's early in that first round. And even though he looked like he was about to crumble again against the fence, like he literally had nothing. He just shelled up and just ate shit until he got a flying triangle, you know, super high percentage off of a head kick. As if flying triangles aren't um, low percentage enough, like to do it off of a head kick. Like, of course, that's how Dan Tom's going to lose the bet, right? Um, so I'm not crying over spilt milk, you know, perhaps to flick and flick betters. But, uh, but man, you, you can't help but <laughs> see the irony there. Um, I'll always be stoked to watch a flick fight. Uh, I'll be much more hesitant to fade him, even though he, despite winning, kind of even proved me right further. Just really, you know, if if that if, if he's gonna have even less offense and less to offer at this level uh, against other fresh guys who he's kind of more experienced than, uh, we'll see when he put him against the. Uh, cause there's big jumps in this division, so. Uh, Again, folks, you got to be careful. I've done it myself where a guy cashes for you. You like the guy's style, but be careful. Don't don't ride too long as far as the betting train goes. Christos Yagos defeated Carlton Minus. Uh, Sean Spencer Light, the unanimous decision. Um, I didn't have anything on this aside from Yagos straight up. Again, I paired him with Tafon for, for the chalk. And you had to figure someone was going to lose on that. I was too afraid to pair Pettis as the third leg again. <laughs> third leg. Uh, so I did the... Uh, over in the female fight. But, yeah, Yagos came in. Like I said, he was looking tired, but, you know, he did take it on short notice. But he's been somewhat staying ready since August, and that showed here. And the stylistic matchup, like I said, was not going to be kind to minus against the wrestleboxer. And it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, there there was that. Um, where are we at on time? Crap, hour long. It was a long episode for just, like, a recap. It's a bonus, so hopefully uh, y'all don't mind. We're going to close out with uh, a little bit of Amazon read-through, and we'll get on out of here. All right, thank you guys again um, for supporting. Uh, again, while you to support the podcast, you can go to mixedmartialanalyst.com. Go to the click-through on the right-hand side for Amazon. Uh, or on it as well. I don't read off the on it because they don't give you that option. Um, but thank you guys. If you guys shop on it, you know, uh, I bought some kettlebells over this pandemic. Uh, buy my protein from there. Um, some other supplements as well. Active B, some 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 good things. So I see you guys clicking through. I just can't name the items to give you a shout because it protects your privacy. So does the Amazon list. Is your privacy is also protected. So if you buy, a, I think we have one item on here actually. That's just funny. Um, it's not a vibrator, but yeah, if you buy anything like 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 that, don't worry. I'm not gonna light you up and be like Johnny from Texas. Uh, you know, but I just do, it does tell me what the items are. Um, and a small percentage, uh, to no charge to you, just of your sale gets kicked back to the show. And believe me, it's used, it's grateful for. Thank you. Uh, someone bought an Amazon gift card and a holiday, uh, pop-up box for $200. Uh, good luck to somebody who bought that. Uh, that's a nice gift there. Um, Someone, there we go. A lot of seeing a lot of Die Hard being talked about uh, as a Christmas movie. So it looks like someone tried to add to their list there. Die Hard. And, ooh, I might have to go get that too. They got, they got it in the 4K edition. I just got my 4K player. 4K TV. I got to gotta do that. Okay. That was awesome. All right. Lenny and Larry's Keto Cookie. Peanut butter soft bake. Eight grams of plant protein. I've been seeing some keto stuff come through. So whoever this keto kid is that's been clicking through, thank you, sir. That is really appreciated. Um, 
what else? Oh, we got another movie here, Tenet. Uh, you can buy Tenet, right? I guess you can. I imagine everything's coming out to video. Um, I still haven't seen it. That's a Christopher Nolan one. Uh, I've been seeing him a lot on my timeline, too. Like, I'm so late to the game. Like, I just saw Dunkirk, which I enjoyed. Uh, but then now the history part of me is like picking things apart. And, you know, I know Nolan has his things, his tropes, and then that kind of ruins things, too. Um, but I can't talk shit. I haven't seen Tenet yet. Um, I, 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 was a, I don't know. I think it's mainly because, like, The Dark Knight and stuff, you know? He's got a soft spot in a lot of our hearts. Um, I like the prestige, you know, of course I had, had fucking, you think, you think, you think that I make Sean Connery a pervert. Oh, Michael Caine is one of the long time. Michael Caine. All right. If you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> and it also has the great Dan Tom in uh, the prestige. So of course, you know, Dan Tom here is a fan of that one. Um, what else did Nolan do? Oh, he did Inception, which I feel like Inception, that one was annoying. I, I didn't feel like it was bad. It was it was a fun watch, but I feel like Inception was like every bro science uh, dude who repeats Rogan JRE as gospel was just like, bro. Like Inception was their movie, like to make them feel very smart. Like so, of course that did, yeah just ranked low on Dan Tom's list. Uh, however, whoever bought Tenet though, hit me up. Let me know how Tenet is, or if you saw Tenet and, and, and weren't the one who bought this, um, let me know. Uh, Tool Homa, the forgotten campaign Hold on. of the chain that changed the course of the Civil War. More history stuff. Ah, the history guy's back. Appreciate you, sir. All right, we got. Don't worry, it doesn't say who bought this. But uh, Trojan Bearskin Thin Premium Lubricated Condoms, 24 count. All right, baby. There we go. Way to way to, way to uh, keep the uh, do your part in keeping the numbers in the hospitals down. <laughs> do your part in keeping the numbers of this freaking world down in the world pop. Not hating people who have families. And football players with families coming after me at this <laughs> after this. <laughs> uh, but thank you for using protection. Hopefully, you're using them and you're not doing uh, what one of my old roommates may or may not have done, where I was just like. Billy dog, but can you maybe keep yours in more of a discreet place? Like then, right? Like I keep mine in the drawer of the nightstand. I I notice that you keep yours right on top. It's like, well, you gotta have them out in display, you know, so the girls think you use them. I was like, I don't know if that's how those work, Billy. <laughs> oh Jesus! So either way, regardless if you're you. Regardless if you're using them like Billy or how they're meant to be, uh, enjoy those bearskin. Oh, all right. <laughs> Amy's Organic Lentil Soup, non-GMO. Hey, man, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a solid brand. I got some Amy's in my in my uh, cabinet. Good pick. Uh, U Green 2RCA Male to 2RCA Stereo Audio Cable. What? They were really close to putting male-to-male cable. <laughs> Ass to ass, sorry. <laughs> what movie was that? Oh, a Requiem for a Dream. Of course, Dan Tom quoting really appropriate movies. Uh, Febreze, car vent, air freshener. That's right, you know. Little smoke sessions at work, right? You gotta gotta air that shit out. Dan, <laughs> don't incriminate people. Uh, <laughs> another Akira, 
Akira movie, 4K. Oh, wow, nice. Thank you for buying that nice little box. Real nice Akira display. Little anime listener of the podcast. Appreciate you. Uh, we got Amazon $50 gift card. Very nice of you. 2021 planner, weekly and monthly planner. That's right, baby. We're going to be planning 2021. I'll get to my goals on the way out of here after this. Excuse me. Lenny and Larry's Keto Cookie. I think I've seen this before. Keto Kid there is back. All righty there. And Game of Thrones, the complete collection, 4K. Whoa. A bit pricey, but no, that's... Wow, thank you for buying that for the... Through the click-through link. And lastly, but not leastly, five-movie collection, Jurassic World. Uh, Jurassic World five-movie collection, 4K HD. Thank you for... Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> I love that guy with the beard and the cane. I saw a guy, like, uh, walking out of the grocery store, <laughs> like, dressed like that. I took a picture of him, and I said it, like, out loud. Like, I couldn't help myself, and he just looked at me and gave me, like, the most stink eye. Um... By the way, like I went over to uh, to Danaher's um, uh, Instagram page, and I was like, I went down that whole rabbit hole of like him and like Gordon Ryan down there in Puerto Rico and shit, and like uh, <laughs> you know Danaher's like got his his his, his confession shirt on like he always does, but he's got like I forget he's these like white pants on, and they're like in these like white like automated cars. And they've got like this whole like compound they're building out there, and they're building like a whole like jujitsu skill. And they're like more to come, and he's got his cane out there. He's like ah from South Africa, more to come out here in Puerto Rico. And you know they've got like their posts and stuff. And like I could totally just see like five years later, it's like that Jurassic Park scene. <laughs> Danner's got the beard, and he looks like the guy from Jurassic. Welcome to Grappler's Park. No masks allowed. All right, <laughs> all right, Dan, moving on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you guys for clicking through the link, though, um, in all seriousness there. And, um, yeah, sorry for this long kind of about episode. Obviously, I'm not in a rush to get done like I normally am. Uh, appreciate you guys if you've listened this long. And um, speaking to the person that got their planner, hopefully you have your goals. Hopefully we can all have a collective goal and just try to come together and treat each other a lot nicer. I think there's a lot of healing that needs to be done in the world in our countries, in our systems, in our lives, in our friendships and families. Um, and that all means a lot of different stuff in different ways to all of us, but I think we can all relate on that. And that is something worth noting. That's why things from the two-party system to my team versus your team is stupid and silly because at the end of the day, there's much more we can agree on than we can actually disagree on, which is the ironic part of it all. Um, so I may have whiffed on my goals that I set out last year, uh, the beginning of the year, uh, 10K followers. I think I'm only like 7,900, um, which is fine. And my goal of 1K for YouTube, which I think I'm only currently at, let's see where my channel is at, uh, 292 subscribers. Oh, I got to get to these questions. Um, but um, you know what? It, it, as sad as it seems, uh, I, I'm, there's way too much to be grateful for to be sad. And I don't think it's a defeat, man. I think it's determination because I'm going to pin those goals right back up. And it's going to be the same goals for this year. So if you can help me at Dan Tom MMA or Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, uh, share, uh, especially those of you with followers, really would appreciate it. Um, otherwise, 
fuck, man. I can't really ask any of you guys or anything, can I? You guys have been too awesome, man. Um, but you guys did ask me some couple things, so uh, just going to get back. Quan uh, Nguyen says, uh, in the UFC 249 recap, you were saying you would rate Tony's run over Khabib's run, even if Khabib beats Gaethje, because Tony was winning fights in riskier ways. Your thought, not mine. Now that's both. Now that both runs have ended, do you feel the same? Considering Khabib was never dropped and bled even once, while Tony's riskier ways, winning fights, brought about his slowing and deterioration due to damage. Really great question. Well put, Mister Win. Um. Yeah. No, I, I still feel the same way. That's just personal preference. Um. I feel like who he beat at the time and the ways he beat him was still impressive, more impressive. Uh, however, whose legacy speaks louder when the runs are all said and done? Clearly Khabib. Who probably would have won? You'll even get a Khabib vote now from me, sure. Um, it just, you know, sucks how it ended, which I won't go back into. But yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I still stand by what I said as far as like which run frozen in time. Just judging that sample size alone. Sure. Yeah, I still stand by my, Words there, but but yeah, you gotta give Khabib his respect. Um, and then last question here was from uh, Twitter, uh, Fraser Robertson at Fraser Tron One. Do you think UFC should do Grand Prix like they do in Bellator or one championship? Uh, this has been asked and, and talked about a lot. Um, and you're gonna get kind of the same answer from me pretty much as uh, I would love to. You'd have my vote all day and. From lightweight to light heavyweight, there's been excuses to do so lately. That's why you've heard it come up. However, because of the business model, um, UFC coincidentally doesn't do those things. And they also have very bad luck, especially lightweight division. Um, if you look at their tournaments, even like controlled four-man tournaments, you know, it'll end in a draw or some BS. Uh, so they've, if you go back in UFC's history to when they did do it, it was fun and interesting. They all tend to have bad luck and they kind of moved away from it. And even though it's fun, um, it's niche, and they're almost forced to other organizations because the UFC is almost so committed to their model in not doing it. So I would love to see it, but I wouldn't hold your breath, my friend. All right, that's it. I've taken enough of your guys' time. Thanks for listening. Again, Mixed Martial Analysts for all the click-throughs. Get you with a top five show in the next coming days for Christmas. Hope you guys are safe. DMs are always open. Much love. Um, head up, you know, let's get through this together. Um, thanks for sticking with me and let's be more tolerant and loving to one another. Of course, never forget to protect your necks.